0: everyone and welcome to episode 11 of the retrospectives podcast. My name is Patrick Arthur and today I am joined by no one as unfortunately my co-host of always James Turlings has fallen ill. He's not deathly ill but he is bedridden and so it's up to me to carry this cast on my lonely shoulders with the upside that my opinions are completely unopposed. This week I'll be covering Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 originally for the PlayStation 1 and later was released on PC and a variety of other consoles. But before I get into the details of this episode, I just want to give you a brief overview of what we do on the Retrospectives podcast. The metric by which we review the games on this podcast are not how good it was when it was first released. Instead, we aim to look at it from a modern perspective. How good is this game to play today? The truth of the matter is there are many good games, many good movies, many good TV shows out today. So, you have to have a very good reason to play a game from 20 years ago. So, we ask ourselves how good is this game to play today and is it worth your time to play today in amongst all the other titles. So, as I alluded to, we are co- we, sorry, I'm going to I'm going to keep making that mistake, but I'll, I'll do my best to stamp it out. I played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Uh, I played on an emulator for the PS2, because apparently it runs a bit smoother than the pure PC version, So, and it worked completely fine during my time playing it. So to give you a little background on my experience and history with Tony Hawk, I played this game when I was very young, Um, and I think I also played a little bit of 4, but I did play a lot of 1 when I was younger. I remember the furthest I ever got was unlocking the last level. I definitely didn't get any of the tapes. And I haven't played a Tony Hawk game in like at least 10 to 15 years. In stark contrast to the previous game we covered on the cast, Mega Man Battle Network 3, Tony Hawk is a game of simplicity. It is not a game that defies explanation, and I can in fact do it in one simple short sentence. In Tony Hawk's, you are a guy on a skateboard, and you do skateboarding things. There is, of course, slightly more to it, but the bulk of the gameplay, and the moment-to-moment gameplay, is riding around on a skateboard, jumping over objects, and pulling off various skateboard tricks such as doing grabs, kicks and flips and uh, grinds on uh, rails and edges of platforms. The single player campaign of Tony Hawk's involves you making your way through a variety of levels, collecting VCR tapes, which uh, if nothing else should give you an idea of the age of this game, by completing objectives. and. Uh, of the nine levels in the game, six of them are based on this formula, and it is very formulaic. On each mission, you have to... Well, you have these five objectives. One of them is to collect the letters from the word "scapes, which are scattered around the park. One of the objectives will be to destroy on destroy or grind on five objects which suit the level's theme you need to get one of the secret tapes on each level. They're either in a hidden location or they're in a location that's high up in the sky that requires you to do some sort of aerial trick to reach them. And the other two are just points related. You just need to score a lot of points by doing a lot of tricks. That's it. Each of those six non-competition levels, that's the entire formula they follow. Those are the only challenges for you to do. And once you've accomplished them, there's nothing really more to do in terms of uh, doing better unless you just want to score more points. The three competition levels are slightly different. You need to score a lot of points in a series of heats with only the best two of three heats counting. And that is the entirety of Tony Hawk's single player campaign. It doesn't sound like much, but something being simple does not mean it's bad. One of my favourite games is Terry Cavanagh's Super Hexagon, and its entire gameplay is pressing left or right to avoid obstacles. The key thing for me when identifying whether a simple game is a good one or not is to look at the feel of it and the moment-to-moment gameplay that's presented to you. Feel is a very stupid term in some ways, but I can't really think of a better way of expressing it. Quake and Castlevania are examples of games with fantastic feeling gameplay, they both feel incredibly responsive and it's very intuitive to control your character. Whereas I'd point at something like Mass Effect as a experience that controls very poorly. You're constantly crawling through menus and the combat is terrible and I hate it. Although the third entry in the series does improve on it quite a bit. But it is my pleasure to say that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater feels fantastic. The very moment you load up the first mission and start skating down that first ramp, gaining speed you immediately know what the game is about. You hold a button to go fast that also lets you get big air if your time jumps correctly. You hold a directional key and either square or circle to do various tricks. And you press triangle to grind. It's almost as if the controller was designed with Tony Hawk's in mind. You can immediately start experimenting, gaining speed all the time, and if you do stack it, well, five seconds later, you do it all again. But uh, let's take a step back for a moment. For me, understanding the gameplay of Tony Hawk's is that it's roughly divided into two. The first half is exploration, with the other half being the trick system, but for now I want to dive into the exploration phase of playing a map. You're basically exploring the playgrounds of Tony Hawk's. You have the skate letters, five themed objects to destroy, and a hidden tape to find. In this phase, this is what I did at the beginning of each and every uh, new level unlock, I wasn't trying to score ridiculously big, although I did do some incidental scoring here or there just because it was fun to do. I like this part of the game a lot. The playgrounds are very fun to explore. There are poor safety-conscious ramps and rails all over the place, and getting the letters or the secret tapes involves you abusing the environment. And some of them... Keyword being some can be quite challenging. All of the levels except the very first one are large enough that there's no way to fully understand the layout on the first time you skate around. So you slowly have to build a mental layout of the map over the course of a few tries. Once you do finally have a decent grip, you then try to nail getting all the objects and the secret tape. But this can definitely take a few times if you miss it or stack it. Uh, And stacking it certainly happens the more deeper you get into the game. The problem is, of course, that you only have three exploration-related things to do. Get the letters, do the five things, and get the secret tape. And once you have done that, the value of exploration drops dramatically. Now, that doesn't mean it's entirely disappeared. There's still value in exploring to find high value trick locations called transfers, when you move from one area to another there are unique bonuses on each map for those transfers. But essentially the exploration is done and thrown out the window within half an hour. Now there are certain maps where it takes you a lot longer, Uh, the secret tape on a map called Downhill Jam left me doing it, I don't know, close to 100 times to try and get that secret tape. It didn't help that when I was doing it, my character's speed stat was a little too slow. But on the whole, accomplishing these objectives is too easy. There's no bonus objectives. I want more to do in terms of exploration. I want secret areas. I want special challenges. They were too easy, but more importantly, there just weren't enough of them. And I understand that that when this game was released it was the first tony hawks so they didn't want to they weren't going to jam in 20 challenges on every single map but they could have the maps are large enough to support a variety of challenges and the fact that they don't is frustrating as a player it makes me want to check out the later games in the series where i imagine they must expand on this dramatically but for this first game the exploration phase was way too short it was good, but there wasn't enough of it, which is a, uh, a fitting tribute to Tony Hawk's, I think. But I want to emphasise that what is there is good. So let's delve a little bit into why it works. I've already gone over how the game feels fundamentally great to play, but now I want to turn to something a little more mechanical, and that's the timer. It is rare for exploration games to put you under the gun. The walking simulators of the world tend to tend to want you to take your time and relax but there are huge benefits to putting a timer on something like this i've been playing through this game uh, that was just newly released called hutter wilds it's fantastic by the way you should go get it and uh it employs a similar sort of gimmick Uh, you have 20 minutes per life to explore as much as you can so with both of these games uh each chunk of time you have will give you an incomplete picture, just a slice of the grander pie in the sky. You don't know what each area of the map holds, so it's a tremendous joy when you do discover something after circling around the map trying to put it all together. My favourite lightbulb moment in the map named Streets was figuring out how to get the secret tape, which was seemingly impossibly suspended over a pagoda. I did notice that there was a big ramp and platforms on the buildings around it, but I had no idea how to get it. Anyway, after circling around the map God knows how many times, I noticed that the uh, water fountain art exhibit thing looked a little bit like a ramp, so I jumped on it. And that uh, water fountain took me straight to the upper levels of the buildings, and I was able to eventually circle around, fly off the ramp, and get the secret tape. So why, then, was it important that it was on a timer? It's because I didn't have the leisure to experiment as much as I wanted. I was trying to achieve goals here, and every fruitless attempt to find a tape meant lost time to score points. It was a matter of opportunity cost, not something handed out freely. It was intense and difficult, and therefore rewarding. Exploration in this game isn't some some chill-out experience, it's a challenge. Which is something that I think is secretly sought out by those who love exploration. When you spend way too long climbing a mountain that doesn't want to be climbed, something that I am definitely guilty of. Reaching the top feels amazing because of just of how, dis- because of just how difficult that was. Exploring things peacefully and at your own pace does have its own advantages, but it doesn't get the blood pumping. So to sum up this little segment, uh Tony Hawk's exploration phase, when you first get into a level, is fun, but ultimately lacking in variety and detail. Uh, I'm most interested in the sequels to see if they expand on this by giving you even more challenges to do. And the timer brings a, well not unique anymore, but it brings an interesting twist to most exploration games. Center. But the universe doesn't say what you want to say The universe says justice to what it says, when it says, what it says. But on the planet Earth, spinning around the tracks, revolving around the sun, revolving around the center of the Way galaxy, the super cross of galaxies. Will it ever be you and me? Now let's get into what I consider the meat and potatoes of Tony Hawks. The trick system. I'm going to be simplifying it here, but the gist of the trick system is that it's all about variety. Each trick you do scores you points, you combine tricks to get multipliers, and each and every time you perform the same trick, you get reduced value from it. The way the multipliers works is too complicated for me to get into now, but I'll just say that grinding gives you massive multipliers on your tricks. This is the other half of the game, and it's what you do after you get your exploration goals down pat, and in the three competition levels. Of course, you can do these objectives in any order you choose, but it makes more sense to figure out the scoring ground first, and then do the scoring afterwards. It's a very simple system, once again, but it's brilliant. You need to keep track of what stunts you've already pulled, and do your best not to repeat any in order to maximise your score. You need to be using your full arsenal of tricks over the course of the two minutes. This isn't Devil May Cry, where your style meter is on a timer. Every single time you repeat a trick, your score degrades. Speed is of the essence here, and a messed up trick represents lost time, and therefore lost score. If you never stack it, you'll never lose speed, and you get to do it as much as possible in the time available to you. The game also has a special system to push speed even further. Successful tricks will give you speed bonuses up to a certain limit when your special bar becomes full When that happens you gain access to two super high scoring unique tricks Available to each skater like Tony Hawk has a 900 and other skaters have other special kick tricks For example each skater has three to four specials the effect of all this is that you go faster and faster and faster the pressure is constantly piling on And you're constantly encouraged to push the boundaries to score as many points as you can on any given trick. So the game has an awesome amount of variety, it feels great, what's not to love? So the thing about the variety is that it only applies to the tricks. The truth is when you start trying to get these big scores, at least this was a strategy I used, it made a lot more sense for me to pick a certain area usually one with half-pipe ramps to gain a lot of speed, and use those over and over again to score a lot of points. Because the combination of grabs plus grinds seems to give you a lot more points than any of the kick tricks. What this means is that while there was a lot of variety in the tricks that I was performing, there had to be, or my points wouldn't be very high, there wasn't a great variety in the areas I was scoring tricks. And while I definitely used, did different things in different places when I was first exploring the map, when it came down to business and time to hit those 50,000 points, I just picked an area and I did tricks there repeatedly. Now it's entirely possible that this isn't the most efficient way of doing it. I'm not a Tony Hawk pro by any means, but I found that the momentum-based nature of the system meant that if I tried to just go with the flow, I would often end up where I didn't want to be. Uh, when you're going that fast and grinding on rails and all that other stuff, you'll of- often end up in these dead corners where the opportunities to score aren't as easily apparent. If you find a nice half pipe, however, you can just score and score and score, and provided you do not stack it at any point, you can reach the point totals. There is one big exception to this, and it concerns my favourite two levels in the game uh, Mall. And in particular, downtown jam. Both of these maps' gimmick is that you're going downhill, and there is a finish line. When you reach the finish line, the uh, the map just ends. I believe in the remakes of this, it sends you back to the start, which makes a lot more sense. But uh, for the purpose of uh, this first game, the map just ends, so you don't really want to cross that finish line for any reason. But the way because the courses have this downhill feel to them you have a very natural progression of areas to score tricks through. Uh, you get the most air when you're going downhill. So what you do is you go from area to area to area, scoring your tricks in each of the different areas. So by the end of Hill, Downhill Jam, for example, I'd scored tricks in 10 to 15 different locations. Uh, other maps, it's, that's just not available to you. I think mall is similar but it's not quite as good, you get a lot more air and the grinds are a lot more fun on Downhill Jam, but to me those are the best maps, because they encourage scoring in a variety of areas, as well as using a variety of tricks, unlike the more street and school orientated levels. But what comes next after you have scored all of your points? And the answer is, for me at least, not much. Similar to how F-Zero GX, the main goal is to get better and better at racing. With Tony Hawk's, your goal is to get better and better at scoring, better at looping tricks, better at landing tricks, etc, etc. And for me, there wasn't enough of an appeal to continue just getting slightly better, to continue to put hours and hours of my life into this game once I'd collected all the 30 tapes the game feels great but I need a better hook than that to get me interested I remember when I was younger playing multiplayer was a great joy to me because then you're competing against another human being and you can compete off one another and improve there are some cool multiplayer scoring systems as well like horse or graffiti but for the sake of me playing it today Once I had collected the tapes, I was done with this game. So the scoring system is good, Uh, the basic gameplay is good, the meat and potatoes is all solid, but once you've had your fill, you can't shove any more in. God, I'm stretching this metaphor way too far. Uh, I'm interested, once again, in seeing if the later games in the series do more interesting things. I know, for example, that number 2 introduced manuals as a way to better effectively link tricks, but what this game really needs to keep me hooked is more variety. I want different sorts of scoring challenges and different areas to explore. Tonight, tonight the that we got the truck. We're going downtown, gonna beat up the rocks. You're to the drive, I'll bring the beer. It's a late, late ship, no one to fear On about the gameplay for what seems like hours. It's time to move to something uh, a little more subjective, and that's the aesthetics. Tony Hawk's graphics are ass. They're, this is not a pretty-looking game, and it hasn't aged really well. It's mainly uh, browns and greys, and on in some way, it's somewhat acceptable. You're a skater. Uh, you're you know not going to be in these super ridiculous environments, you're in cityscapes and streets and everything, but uh, it's not super aesthetically pleasing and Tony Hawk's unfortunately belongs to the era of 3D which is not aged level very well there's a lot of boxiness to everything, and it even affects the gameplay in some ways there are some really awkward jumps and transitions you need to do and I feel that they look ugly and they feel ugly because of how the world is textured, and how it all fits together. It isn't, in most cases, an impediment to gameplay, but the chunkiness of it does probably remove some of the potential intricacies that are possible in later titles. And yeah, for, for all of my criticisms, the game isn't unplayable because of how it looks. It's just it's a noticeable, ugly game. Its ugliness in being a street skater thing uh, fits its grunge aesthetic somewhat, so it gets some ground in that way. But yeah, don't play this game looking for a pretty experience. Now, the music. The music is a, a soundtrack that I listened to many, many, many times when I was younger. And I think that the standout track is, of course, Superman. Uh, the the timer actually comes into affecting this, as well as the gameplay, because you only ever hear the first two minutes of each track. Uh, the music on re-listening to the soundtrack is variable. Some of the, uh, I guess, more metal, grungier ones with less clear vocals and noise, I found a little just wall of noisy and not super appealing. Once again, it somewhat fits the aesthetic that the music is a bit ugly, but uh, but yeah, I, I just want to point out that they're not all, um, all standout tracks. Superman is fantastic, of course, and uh, I also quite liked uh, the song by The Ernie's, which I think is just called Now. But yeah, the, the music is great. Uh, it's low-fi quality and everything fits the grungy aesthetic. And I'd say well, four to five of the nine tracks I like a lot, with one or two being passable in the circumstances. So with that, I think it's uh, about time I moved on to wrapping up. And forgive me if I'm repeating myself slightly here, but I just want to touch on my final thoughts. Tony Hawk's is a great game. Uh, it only takes about five or six hours to complete, uh, maybe a bit longer because some of the hidden tapes are a little tricky and some of the high scoring points can be a little tricky. It takes a bit longer if you want to get gold medals on all the challenges, which all the competition, sorry, which I didn't do. If this game was twice the length, I do not think I would have enjoyed it. It's like a bite of gaming goodness. It's immediately accessible. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed my time with it, but I wouldn't go back to this entry because it's just too simple and limited it's funny because that very uh, simplicity is what attracted me to it in the first place In the, I recommend this game, I think you should play Tony Hawk's for the 5 or 6 hours it takes to finish it and I think you'll enjoy your time with it, but I wouldn't touch it again and I'm, I'm keen to try out later ones in the franchise like Underground uh, 2 or Underground 1 which I've heard very good things about uh, thumbs up, recommend it go get Tony Hawks and play it today. You will not regret it. And uh, with that, I believe we're just about done. I would like to thank everyone who's stuck with me as I speak into my microphone on my lonesome. I know that this episode is straight up not as good as our other ones. I found it very difficult without another person to riff off, but hopefully you've still gotten something of value from this uh, cast today. Uh, You can find us. Uh, at our website which is rspodcast.net and we'd love if you would give us a follow on Twitter which is at retpodcast uh, also any feedback you have on this episode or any of the others we're always keen to hear and uh, the usual give us a review or rating if you have the opportunity so a uh, preview of what's coming next we are doing James's game and we are doing Pokemon Snap and I'm sure he misses the opportunity to say to me we're finally moving away from a shit game into a good one, so I'll just have a shout-out to him uh, in that regard. Pokemon Snap is a game that I've never played, but James has apparently played it a lot, um, but it looks intriguing. Uh, I've, I'm a big fan of Beyond Good and Evil, and it looks like it takes the best mechanic from Beyond Good and Evil, the photo mechanic, and that's the entire game. And, you know, as most people are from my generation, uh, we've all played far too much Pokemon, so thematically, it's on point as well. So we'll see you in a fortnight and thank you very much once again for listening to me gasbag on. My name is Patrick Arthur and you will be joined by myself and James Turling in two weeks time hopefully. I hope he is feeling better. Thank you for listening. We'll see you then.